Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And on the line with me today, I have a new friend, Chef Rick Orlando, who's over in the Hudson Valley. And I have to say, y'all, this guy's like famous. And I was pretty excited to go split a pizza with him. He's been on Beat Bobby Flay, Chopped. He's a cookbook author. And he has not just one, but two podcasts. So thanks for joining me today, Chef Rick. Hi, Amy. How's the weather down there in NOLA? Oh, it is so hot. It is so hot. And uh, I feel like it's tis the season that we're just just getting started. Someone mentioned yesterday that this is like when you preheat the oven. Mm. We ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) I have to tell you. Maybe it's because of my Sicilian blood, but I love it. I come down. I like to come down around the end of July, early August, you know, before the hurricanes come and when it's nice and hot and just sit and sweat. It's good. It makes me happy. Well, uh, you could come sit and sweat on my porch anytime. I'm going to sit in the air condition and wave to you through the window. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's one of those beautiful Hudson Valley days here. It's going to be about 82 blue skies, green, verdant. You know, we're close to the Hudson River and at the foot of the Catskills, so we get kind of swampy here, a lot of humidity in the late summer because we're all that hot air that kind of gets stuck between uh, New York and, and Canada settles over us, but right now it's perfect out, perfect, absolutely perfect. Well, so when the weather is absolutely perfect, what are y'all cooking in the Hudson Valley right now? Well, you know, we our farmers had a really rough start this year. It was really cold and then really wet. Uh, super wet. So, like, I went out to the farmer's market Saturday, and things that are green are prolific. I mean, my arugula is two feet high, you know, and kale and collards and, and broccoli rob and stuff like that is growing. But the but the um, the plump vegetables are going to be late this year. Um, I just got the first loads of local strawberries have been coming in the last couple of weeks. And I have to tell you, Part of that, you know, Hudson Valley soil, which is a lot of uh, high-nutrient soil because it was all water here, you know, a few thousand years ago. And the hot days and cool nights makes for strawberries like you've never had. So I've been doing some strawberry shortcakes, of course. Yum. And some savory uh, strawberry, tomato, and basil toast smeared with local goat cheese and lots of black pepper, which people kind of go wacky for on brunch. Um and of course, making lots of greens. Although I, you know, I, I did have some beautiful swordfish this weekend because the Montauk swordfish is starting to run, and that's really a great fish in the North Atlantic when it when the water is cooler, it starts to warm up, the swordfish show up. So uh, I did a little thing that we we, and I know we're going to get to it that we tasted in Sicily. I made swordfish in bottini for my pop up on Friday. I did a Sicilian pop up and. Uh, you pound out the swordfish and stuff it with breadcrumbs. I use gluten-free, of course. Being in the Hudson Valley, how to do that <laughs> with uh, capers and raisins and and parsley and pine nuts, and then broil them and lacquer them with something called salmoriglio sauce, which and is basically is just and parsley and, and garlic and oregano and olive oil. But so delicious, and and it was inspired by being in Sicily. And so for my listeners out there. Uh, my listeners, Chef Rick, know that half of my friends I have met on social media these days, every time I, I do a show, I go, oh, and I met this person on Instagram, or I met them on Facebook. And for our listeners out there, Chef Rick 
is a friend of a friend who I just happened to post on my Facebook that I was on a food tour in Sicily, and Chef Rick was posting on his Facebook that he was on a food tour in Sicily, and by the magic of the internet, we ended up sitting and having a pizza together. That was that was pretty amazing synchronicity, I have to say. Yeah, our friend uh, used to work for me. Um, can I say his name? Yeah, you can say his name. Yeah, Roland Joyner. You know, he was a... Uh, kind of a maniac punk rocker type, just like Daddy here. And uh, <laughs> he worked for me, I don't know, maybe 2004, whenever he was at the Culinary, 2005 at the Culinary Institute of America. And we've been in touch. When I go down to NOLA, I visit him. Now, he actually, he and his wife uh, took me to Dookie Chase, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah, he said, oh, my friend Amy's there. You guys ought to hook up. And, you know, what's what's the chance that we would be in the same town in the whole country country, and we're in the same town and you're like you can't not go have a pizza yeah we had a pizza and some really lemony vodka and uh, i recorded that whole conversation i'm still trying to edit it because sound quality is pretty hysterical because we were in a sicilian restaurant in taramina so there's lots of yelling in the background and clanking but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna get something up with that i've i've spent about an hour trying to figure out what audio is too painful to not have on the podcast, but I like kind of like that spontaneity. It was good conversations we had, too. Well, And we really closed out the place. And for if you've ever, for any of our listeners out there, if you've ever traveled abroad and you're in a country where you maybe don't speak the language, but you meet people who speak your language, it's really easy to get excited and boisterous and then over good food and a little bit of limoncello and all that good stuff. It can get a little bit crazy <laughs> in the restaurant. <laughs> it is, you know, and it's. I met other people from Albany, New York, where my restaurant is, when I was in uh, Orgiata on the on the little island off of Syracuse, and you know, suddenly you're like best friends. It's like we shared an experience together, and it, it's a you know, it really bonds. It's really cool. I mean, I feel like we're pals forever now. Absolutely, and I, you know, I that's. Part of why I wanted to get you on the show today, because so many times we're we're caught up in our phones, we're caught up in our Instagram, maybe we're watching television, we're not fully immersed in an experience. And when you might travel, have, might have been caught up in our kitchen for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> but when you travel, you get that opportunity, and you know, I'd love your perspective on why it's so important to travel and have these experiences. Well, I think, you know, from a chef's perspective, it's unbelievably important because, you know, the world is full of television shows and and videos online and cookbooks, of course, which are probably still the most reliable source of information that's not baloney, um, (laughs) of different, I'm going to use the A word, authentic types of food, right? But until you've actually been there and eaten it, you don't really know. I mean... You can create food and you can create experiences based on different types of food from around the world. And I've been doing it my whole life. I mean, my brand is New World Bistro Bar, New World Home Cooking. My whole brand was based on the immigrant experience of America and cooking the food that people brought here from their country. So, you know, I think I know everything. And then I go visit someplace and I'm like, damn, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And then you meet the people behind the food and you just get, I mean... I don't know about you, but I absolutely fell in love with Sicily. I fell in love with the people 
and everything about the way of life there and the way food is produced. And it was a life changer for me. And I think that that can happen whether you're a chef or not. I mean, we can get into the layers if you're into other things. But if you're into food, let's stick with food because that's what we do. Traveling is a way to get to know people, get to know not just individuals but people in general and a people, and to learn about the way they think about food and the way they think about life. And, again, Sicily really blew my mind uh, that way. Um, I went to Lima, Peru shortly before that, and Peru also blew my mind. Uh, very similar in a way. I mean, very mar- daily market-driven food. People go out to the markets and buy their food just for the day, cook what's in the market. I mean, that kind of stuff, you only read about that. I mean, I know about farm-to-table. I'm, I've been, you know, called the pioneer of farm-to-table food because I've been doing it for 30 years. But when you go to a country like Sicily, you see what farm-to-table really is. And it just says, oh, my God, that's how you do it. How can we what? do that here? One of the things that I really loved about Sicily was the way that just organic things happen. And I, I kept calling my husband going, oh, my God, baby, it's like it's like New Orleans. Like you make a friend and then they introduce you to a friend and then it goes crazy. And I learned a little trick w- with traveling. And that is if you are in a new town, especially if it's a small town, find the local beauty parlor or barber shop. Because Barbershop's good. that's where people are hanging out and they're talking and you can get all kinds of insight. And one quick trip to a barbershop, next thing you know, I'm milling my own flour at an old mill in the village. And you start to realize that, you know, it's not just like what you see on TV. Like people live this and we need to immerse ourselves and to respect it and to understand it because... This is their everyday life, and it's right, exactly. absolutely amazing. They, they live it, and they're not famous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They live it, and that's just what they do. I had a really great experience, Amy. You know, we were both doing uh, group tours. Well, my tour left on a Friday, and I stayed for an extra week. And My wife showed up the next day. My son and his wife were there for a month, and we both rented apartments on the Capo Market in Palermo. I'm talking about on the market. Like, I walked down my stairs, and there was a guy right below me squeezing pomegranates and blood oranges for juice in the morning, another guy frying calamari and little shiners. We were literally on the market. And within two days, everyone in that market knew me and knew my name and fed me and talked to me. And, you know, my Italian is tolerable. Like, I could, I could you know, bang my head around and get stuff communicated um, but it was to the point, like, when one of the guys, an older guy, had a place called, um, in Italian, it was called Eat a Little, Spend a Lot. <laughs> he had a little food <laughs> stall, and he was kind of funny, big guy, big bald guy, and he asked me in Italian when we were leaving, and I said, tomorrow, and he said, do you need a ride to the airport? And I said, well, I'm going to call a car service, and he goes, no, 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 you're not. So not only did I not call a ride to the car service, this guy packed my wife's luggage and my luggage and the two of us in his little Fiat, picked us up at 7 a.m., and told us it was the day of the martyrs. It was the day that the prosecutors were blown up in their cars back in 1992. So there were 70,000 people coming to Palermo to do a memorial thing, and he wanted to leave early. But then when we drive into the airport, he got off an exit long before the airport 
to take us to the docks to show us where the fish that he cooks every day where is brought it. in and introduced me to the fishermen. And then he brought us off the next exit to a coffee shop because he claimed they had the best pistachio stuff cannoli, which they were pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> and then we stopped at the memorial on the highway where this uh, judge was blown up. And then he took us to the airport. I mean, it was like, who, where are you going to get that? Where are you going to get that kind of experience? Again, I feel like the only place I've ever had that kind of experience is here in New Orleans. And I kept saying that, oh, man, the Sicilians are what's making New Orleans New Orleans. And Well, Sicilians had a lot to do with New Orleans. And let me tell you a quick little New Orleans story. I've told this story many times about when I, you know, cause I'm doing another food tour to New Orleans for Halloween. I basically bring people every Halloween week to New Orleans, uh, people from upstate New York, and, and I, I immerse them, and hopefully we'll do a little something together, and we hang out with Poppy Tooker and Pablo Johnson, we go to Commanders, we, you know, I take them to the Katrina Museum, I try to let them learn what New Orleans is about beyond just what's on a plate, right, and so anyway, the first time I went to New Orleans, we stayed at the Monteleone Hotel for a few days, and then we have friends that we stay with, and I don't want to overstay my welcome, so we stay at the Monteleone. We went back three months later and stayed at the Monteleone for two days, and it was around the holidays, so I bought a whole bunch of stuff for my kids and friends. Uh, I had like two big shopping bags, maybe $400 worth of goodies from Royal Street. And I got on the plane. I completely forgot them there. I didn't, even, I didn't even realize I forgot them. And when I got off the plane, my phone lit up. There was a 504 number. And I called it back, and it was, Hello, sir, this is Leonard. I'm the concierge at the Monteleone. Mr. Orlando, you left your stuff here. I can ship it. UPS today, you'll have it in two days. Does that work for you? I was like, man, if you were in New York, that stuff, just say goodbye. Uh, <laughs> but sir, that hospitality is something that I brag about when I bring people to New Orleans. It is legendary, and you should be proud of it. Well, we are proud, and we love being a hospitality city. And, you know, food is part of you know what we do, and I love that you bring people here to enjoy our food. As kind of to step back to Italy again, or to Sicily again, mm -hmm. what is the best thing that you ate while you were there? Oh, that's right? that's really interesting, because I want to tell you a story. I'm a Sicilian-American. My grandmother came, my grandparents came from Sicily. They were, they were born there. And a lot of the food was really reminiscent of the food I ate growing up, and it was delicious, the profundity in it was that it tasted so much like the food I ate growing up, so I enjoyed it. But the food that really knocked my socks off, there were three experiences. One um, was in uh, Ordiata. We went to this pizza place that I looked up, and I'll remember the name, and I'll email it to you because I can't remember the name now, Palatano or Palatiatano, that use only, they, they mill their own local flour, all the cheeses are local, and I'm from New Haven, Connecticut, which is the pizza mecca of America. Google so, it if you're not sure and you don't believe me, but New Haven is where pizza is like the icon of, of life. And I had a pizza there, a bunch of pizzas. We all There was 22 of us, and we all got individual pizzas. That absolutely blew my mind. All the ingredients on the pizza were from the island, the flour, the olive oil, the mozzarella, di, I mean the uh, mortadella di Assini, or which is... Uh, mortadella from donkey, <laughs> the pistachios, the sheep's cheese, uh, just one thing after another. So that, that really blew my mind. 
Um, the other one is when we went, we went to Trapani for a day. Did you get to Trapani? I did not get to Trapani. So Trapani is kind of like going, really going into the Middle East. It's the furthest northwest corner of Sicily, and it's where the big port that goes back and forth to Tunisia is. And it's very um, bleached looking. It's on the water, um, a little industrial, but a nice tourist area. And we went there and had a traditional dish of Trapani, which is kind of like a, a zuppa de pache, a fish stew, but with couscous. That mm-hmm. was just stunningly delicious. And what I love about Sicilians, they're not afraid of bones. I found a whole mullet in the bottom of my bowl. <laughs> you know, it was it was really really serious. But I think the best food experience they had overall were in the Capo Market because people were cooking for us right there. Uh, our friend uh, with the little fish doll made my son and I a mixed uh, frito misto. And in that was baby octopus, merluza, which is a smaller cod, um, other small fish, sh- shiners, tiny little fish, and then calamaretti. Did you experience calamaretti? I didn't. I don't know. Calamaretti are when the calamari eggs hatch, or like when they lay babies, They about 4 million calamari are hatched at once. They take a net and capture a percentage of those, and they're literally the size of, like, little bugs, like little cockroaches. They're about an inch long. (laughs) Mm, Sounds yummy. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, good protein, baby. And they deep fry the whole thing. They don't, you know, you're not going to clean them. They're tiny, and they serve a little pile of those with a piece of lemon. Everything was fried in chickpea flour there. Um, We also had a mixed grill at a little food stand and ended up, my son and I ended up closing the market at like one in the morning. We were out in the street videoing each other, singing, cooking, but they made us a mixed grill that was 12 euro for two people. <laughs> that was like spring onions wrapped in pork belly. It was uh, little veal chops that they cut. It was every piece of the animal. Um, and then we also had um, at that same place, I'm going to gross you out, we had cow rectum. Okay. I remember seeing this on your Instagram going, hmm, I'm glad I'm not hanging out with them today. <laughs> well, when we were in the, the Catania market, there was a stand that had parts, and they had tripe, and they had hearts, and they had lungs, and they had a big, long, white thing hanging. <laughs> and I said to the guy, what's that? And he said, bung, bung, it's a bung. And I started laughing. I said, I know what a bung is. So it was a cow's butt and uh, from the inside out. And so, you know, I saw it and laughed about it. It didn't eat it there, obviously. And then when we were at this market in Capo, we saw two bowls go by that just looked like tripe stew. They looked beautiful, white stuff and beans and greens. And we asked the waitress, I said, what is that? She goes, you don't want it in Italian. (laughs) I said, no, no, what is it? And she plugged her nose and she said, it is, you know, the culo of the cow. And, of course, my son Willie, who I've taught to be quite an adventurer, looked over and said, two, please. (laughs) Do it, per favore. And she said, whatever you say. And she brought us two bowls of this really intense meat broth with tripe and little rings. It almost looked like calamari of white rings of meat. And it had greens and root vegetables and some beans. And it was absolutely delicious. There was no funk to it all. But I'm really glad that I had cow rectum when I was in Sicily because I can tell people about that till the day I die. Absolutely. I had the spleen sandwich because yeah. I, I was like, I have to have this. I went out. I searched it out. It was delicious, honestly. Yeah, it's really yummy. And, and it almost reminds me of uh, those sandwiches you get in the Midwest where they just cook the roast beef and let it sit in the jus all day and then just 
stick it in the bun and the juice soaks through the bun and it kind of full, you know, gets all juicy and delicious. Yeah, the spleen sandwiches are great. I mean, it was, I mean, how can it not be delicious? It was like stir fried and lard right before they put yep. it on the bread. So, like, all that, that lard and the meat and the lemon juice and the garlicky flavor and the parmesan. I was like, mm. this? I want mm-hmm. this. You're like making on my a- mouth water. <laughs> I said, I want this on a, like, Sunday morning after a long Saturday night. <laughs> well, that's, that is a true hangover food. That's what they call it. And, you know, the cuisine of Sicily is truly uh, a weird little dichotomy because there was a lot of nobility and aristocracy there. So you see it in a lot of the desserts, like the casadas. They're almost overly decorated and very fancy, and they use candy fruit and food coloring in, in the marzipan and stuff. But then most of the food is what you would classify as piatti povere, which is... The people, the food of the poor, and I got to tell you, I mean, I've been cooking for forty years, and to me, that has always been the best food. Always, the food of the poor. always. I went to a Michelin star restaurant while I was in Sicily, and I was like, you know, this is what—it's just fun to go and experience it. And of the twelve courses that he gave me, the best two courses—one was a tomato and eggplant dish, mm-hmm. that was his grandmother's recipe, and the other one was a thinly shaved uh, fish carpaccio with just nice olive oil, salt, and pepper. And I'm like, I had all these weird gels and foams and things that smoked. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what all those things were. The two peasant dishes that were his grandmother's and mother's recipes were the best things that I ate there. Now, was that the one in Lakata? It was the one in Lakata, yes. So I went there as well, and we went, and we went at night. You went for lunch, and he cooked for you. We went with about an eight, eight top, and they had one menu, and it was cute because he um, talk about piatti povere. This guy, you know, he's charging 150 a person for a, a tasting menu. It was only, I think, seven courses, not, not a million, but he um, he tells a little story on the menu that when he was a kid, his mother would always hide a lemon seed somewhere in the dinner and we had to find the lemon seed which was kind of playful but the waiter rattled off the menu and he said tonight we have in italian of course pizza caprese tortellini you know it was like all these really basic italian dishes but they were all reinvented yes and they were great but they weren't as great as the real thing And, you know, it's fun to experience it, and I feel like it's the kind of thing when you travel and you go to a new place, you want to experience all the food, whether it's the classic interpretation, the modern interpretation, the fusion. I want to eat it all, Mm. but they're kind of like you said, the peasant dish, the, the family meal dish. That's what always is the one that I go, oh, that was so delicious. Uh, one of the meals we had in Sicily, I, we made a, a kind of a sauce with roasted pork, and it was a tomato sauce, and it was cooked down. And it may have been a little heavy for that time of year, but I, this girl loves a bowl of red gravy. And the, he, we have this over some, some uh, pasta that we made, and we made raviolis, and I go back into the kitchen with a bowl, and I said, can you just give me a bowl of that gravy and a loaf of bread? Oh, I remember you told me this. Yeah, That's we all pizza. I want because sometimes that I just want to savor the sauces that are on these things. 
Yeah, you know, I grew up eating that food. My grandmother used to make um, the slow-cooked red sauce, and every once in a while when things were really, you know, whenever she had it, she would make the red sauce with the uh, pork skin brujol. Mm-hmm. They'd roll up the pork skin, just fill it with garlic, parsley, a little cheese, and then cook it for like three hours so you kind of just slurped it it was talk about like the original foam that stuff just would right down <laughs> when you ate it but uh yeah it was really that that kind of stuff is really good you know we went to an agriturismo in um in san angelo mazzaro which is down by agrigento i met this amazing guy um i'm on facebook with him i'll, I'll connect you he is cool his name is uh, Pierre Felipe Spoto, and he is a former banker, but he looks like a hipster. You know, he's got his beard and flannel shirt and glasses, and he came home to his small mountain town that probably has, I think he said, 1,100 people, and he does agriturismo tours of the town, and then there's a little cottage at the bottom of the mountain that you go and eat dinner with. But the people there, I mean, the, this, the videos and the stories I got were so priceless. This one couple goes down to the foot of the hill every day and milks their sheep, and then they'd come back in an hour, and they were stirring warm ricotta cheese uh. in a big pot and just kind of put it in a little bowl with a little olive oil and honey, and we ate that. Uh, there's another place we went around the corner where a woman makes a sfincione, which is the Sicilian pizza. The Sicilian pizza, the bread that it's made with is nothing like what you'd get in an American Sicilian pie, which is like a focaccia, right? Chewy and dense. It reminded me more of the French bread in New Orleans. It mm-hmm. was light, light, light as a feather, like almost no structure, just air, you know? But they cook it in a, instead of a sheet pan, it's a cast iron sheet pan. So the whole bottom of the, and the sides are like amber to black, crusty, and it only has anchovies, onions, and tomatoes on it. And it was one of the best bread experiences of my life. I mean, unbelievable. I love it. I love it, Chef Rick. I could talk to you probably for five more hours, but we only <laughs> have all the time. we only have like a minute left. Oh, but, uh, but it goes by so fast when you're having fun. But for yeah. my listeners out there, I've been talking to Chef Rick Orlando, who I met uh, while I was in Sicily. He's from the Hudson Valley. Um, Chef Rick, tell everybody how they can find out more about you and your food. And I know you post all your recipes online and all kinds of fun stuff. I got a lot of stuff going on. I am Rick Orlando, and there's no K in Rick. It's R-I-C-O-R-L-A-N-D-O. And you can go to that website and find my podcasts, my recipes, even some of my music, all kinds of wacky stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll be down in your lovely city for the last week of October, which is my birthday week with a bunch of guests, so if you see me, say hi. I'm kind of recognizable. Um, I, what else is new? I don't know. I did a new thing on the Food Network that will be out in the fall. That's all I can say. Legally, they make you swear on a stack of Bibles and a $250,000 mitigated damage fee <laughs> that you can't say anything else. So, um, you so know, we'll I'll be back on you. the Food Network this fall. And uh, just go to RickOrlando.com. You can go check out my menus, my food, my videos. And uh, I'm going to post my podcast with you very shortly, Amy. Awesome. Well, for my listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sin. So until next time, ciao.